All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of the day. Fern here, and I am, uh, if this podcast turns into uh, a rant about LSU football and SEC and the greatest college football team of all time, it's, you're just going to have to deal with it. I've got, I've got uh, uh, a friend on here, Jeff Westmoreland, who, if you've not listened to the episode about rent is due when we said, hey, we'd like to talk to a lawyer, uh, well, Jeff, oddly enough, reached out to us, um, and he's got some really cool stuff that we're going to talk about. He's going to shed some light on some of the topics we covered there, but talk to them from an authoritative standpoint and then talk about something that is really, really cool here, which is C-Flag, which is the CrossFit Legal Action Group, which we will get into later. But first and foremost, I know you deal in real estate law, so uh, I'm sure you're busy at this point. So thank you for your time. Absolutely, absolutely. Glad to be here and glad to help out, uh, especially anything we can do with the affiliates. This is, uh, this is something that is obviously just top of the priority list for a lot of people. And we got a lot of feedback off that episode. And I don't claim to be an expert. I also need to put out the, the caveat there that we are not giving legal advice to anybody. You should get a lawyer and talk to that about, about your specific scenario. But um, I did want to have somebody who is a lawyer, but specifically somebody who deals with this specific scenario um, come on and talk about it so that we could shed some light on it. So real quick, Jeff, kind of give everybody a little bit of your background uh, so that we can kind of have some context about like why people should listen to this right now. Absolutely. So uh, I've been practicing law for 23 years, uh, started as a litigator, and then eventually got into transactions in my market, which is uh, North Louisiana. It helps to be able to do both uh, litigation and some transactional work. My my practice is generally uh, business uh, law, business litigation, and real estate. And that involves a lot of commercial real estate. Uh, I represent almost exclusively commercial landlords, uh, write a lot of commercial leases. And so affiliate leases fall right into that category. Uh, you may be renting a warehouse as a box, or you might be in a strip mall um, but, uh, you're renting from a commercial landlord and you're on a commercial lease. And so, uh, that is a lot of what I do. And what's been interesting in the last month is I've had more than a dozen conversations with my clients on the flip side of what you spoke about in rent is due. They're calling me saying tenant XYZ is asking for three or four months of waived rent. Uh, a, what do I have to do legally? And B, what should I do? And let's talk about strategy where I want to help this tenant. But some of these, some of these landlords are pretty small shops themselves mm -hmm. and just simply cannot give up that kind of money. So I've been dealing with that on the landlord side for the last month. Uh, also, just a note, um, I've been doing CrossFit six years. I do have my L1. Nice. Uh, uh, I love I love CrossFit. It has become my life, but also uh, the affiliates. I have a heart for the affiliates and what they're doing, and that's how C Flag got started, which we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But I'm always looking out for the affiliates to protect the affiliates um, because I know that that is truly the definition of small business in most cases. Mm -hmm. One owner doing the best that owner can. Uh, to turn a profit and to change people's lives. So the work that's done in the box, I completely believe in it. That's super. What's uh, what affiliate do you, do you go to an affiliate? Yes. Yeah, so I'm at CrossFit SBC in Shreveport, okay. Louisiana. Shout um, out the great yeah. state. 
And, and uh, yeah, it's great to have you uh, from Baton Rouge. And then we also have operating inside that affiliate, CrossFit Medicus One, which is the first uh, CrossFit health affiliate ever started. Uh, started at the direction of Greg Glassman for uh, by Tom Siskron and Ken Sanders. Both that's, that's right. I didn't realize that was okay. Okay. Well, okay. Now this all makes sense because they were on the CrossFit podcast with Sevon a while back. Correct. And then, so we'll, we'll kind of put a little, uh, foreshadowing here. So the C flag, which is the CrossFit legal action group is for anybody's like, what the hell is that? Like, how is this important to me? It's very much, um, akin to the, the CDC or excuse not the CDC, the, um, uh, the DDC, the derelict doctors, uh, club. And the, so when they're doing that, when HQ is dealing with these doctors trying to create this grassroots movement, they're also doing it on the legal side with attorneys trying to create resources for affiliates. So we'll get into that later, but that's what that is. You need to know about that. It, it will be a very useful resource to most people um, moving forward. So I do have a couple of questions. And so obviously we'll get to like all the stuff that we covered there, but uh, I think it's important because you represent the other side of this equation. And I, that that is important because for as somebody who is a tenant, when you're having these conversations, it is very useful, and this is in any negotiation, it is very useful to understand what the other side wants and needs if you're gonna have a reasonable negotiation. Otherwise, you're just gonna go, otherwise you're just gonna go ask for ridiculous stuff because you're ignorant. So um, that's why I think this is even more beneficial is because you are actually largely uh, representing in your day job the other side of this equation, which means you can give some insight into things that affiliate owners should be thinking about um, moving forward when they either sign a new lease or looking to sign their first lease. So um, first and foremost, what we'll just go general stuff and then we'll get into more specifics. Like what are some things an affiliate owner should be considering when signing a lease? So let's, let's just go ground floor stuff here first. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting is that uh, up until now, uh, nobody thought about these scenarios. Um, a, a lot of times there are no force majeure clauses, act of God clauses in leases because landlords don't want them. Um, and so, you know, something that's very uh, time sensitive now is if you're going to sign a lease um, and we know that COVID is around, we know it's not going away and we know it's probably going to come back again next year to some degree, next flu season. So this isn't the last we've heard of, of COVID of this COVID, not to mention anything else that comes around. We've had SARS, we've had uh, MERS, H one N one. Yeah. So, you know, um that's something that, that we need to be thinking about is trying to get some sort of force majeure and also maybe a force majeure that's not just broad in general. That mm -hmm. says something along the lines of if I have to shut down because of, of a government order, a governor's order, a municipality order, then the following things are going to happen mm -hmm. um, to try to get specific. Uh, so on that note, before we go too far, because I think this is important, like I covered it, but I probably did a horrible job of explaining what a force majeure is. Can you tell people what that is and why that is specifically relevant right now? Right. So what it is, is it and the people call it an act of God. It is an act of God clause. It is an activity that occurs that no one has any uh, control over. A perfect example around here because we're uh, east of Dallas and we're kind of in uh, Tornado Alley sometimes, tornado is a perfect example. Tornado comes along, blows the roof off of your structure, 
you cannot operate your affiliate uh, and a force majeure clause would allow you to stop paying rent or pay half rent or a third rent or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, landlords don't love them because, you know, it, it gives the tenant an out. The thing you've got to realize is the bigger your landlord, uh, the stronger they are, the more uh, landlord friendly the lease is going to be from the very beginning. Um, and so a force majeure clause allows you to either, you know, defer rent, get partial rent uh, if your structure um, or, or your, your business can't operate. And some of those force majeure clauses say things like war, famine, um, you know, different things like that. So, uh, you know, now we would want to get more specific. I mean, uh, pandemic, okay, but I would rather say, you know, if there's, if there's a government order of some sort, because we could argue all day about is this next thing a pandemic or not. Mm -hmm. But if my, if my lease says, if I have to shut down because of a government order, uh, then I get X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So that's going to be important going Which forward. Mine actually does say that oddly enough. And I was just like, Oh wow. Like I, and I probably read it and like, didn't know what it meant or just assumed that that would never happen, but here we are. So I'm just like, all right, well, thank God. But, um, okay. So something to look at moving forward now. Um, I know you said you listened to that podcast. So what, where do you think is the best place to start unpacking some of these instances or what do you think would be useful for affiliates to know when they're having these conversations with their landlords. I know I've found out a tremendous amount of information about like how landlords are leveraged from lenders and some of these other things that are going on throughout this process. So I'm far more educated about it than I ever would have been absent of this scenario. Right. So that's a perfect, that's a good example. Some of these, these landlords cannot make rent concessions unless they're approved by their lender. Uh, so it just depends on what's going on. I think one of the biggest issues right now is, again, just as you said earlier, Jason, this isn't legal advice. Every legal situation turns on the specific facts and the specific law applicable in your area. But generally, like I, in Louisiana, I tell them, uh, my clients, there is no law right now on the books, whether state, local, or federal, that says in a commercial lease setting that you have to give your tenant anything. Um, not in Louisiana. You don't have to give them free rent. You don't have to give them deferred rent. But of course, everybody recognizes we're all struggling. Everybody's struggling. Um, a double whammy of what's occurring here, and I don't know if you know, but the, because of the oil prices, oh yeah, uh, North Louisiana, Northwest Louisiana, East Texas are getting decimated. Crushed crushed. I heard a stat the other day, 300,000 jobs lost in the Houston area alone in the oil and gas industry. Just in Houston. I mean, like I was looking at the stats uh, either last night or this morning, half a million people in Virginia have filed for unemployment since this started. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so, bad. So for our area, it's a double whammy. We've got COVID and we've got the oil issue. So I tell my clients initially, there's no rec requirement that you do anything. Mm -hmm. But you want to keep a good relationship with your tenant. You want them to renew. When the renewal comes up, you don't want them to just bail and make you chase them for the money later. Um, we've had all those conversations. So one of the things I would tell tenants, affiliates to do is come at it with a reasonable approach. 
Now, some people say, okay, well, when you negotiate, you come with your highest offer, they come with your lowest offer and you meet in the middle. It's hard to just go to a, a landlord and say, I need three months free rent or four months free rent. Um, I think you're a lot better off saying, you know, I'm struggling. Um, let's have a conversation about this and try to find something that works. Um, because free rent is just, you know, quite honestly, I've been practicing 23 years and I haven't been around as long as a lot of people who've gone through World War II and the mm. depression. But the concept of just waiving rent has never occurred in, in my legal practice ever. Yeah, it's, it's never come up. It, so I would agree. And this is something I don't even know where this concept started. I don't, I, number one, I did not ask my landlord for free rent. But in anybody who does that, A, I just think it's a really crappy ask, number one. So you're probably starting off the conversation on the wrong foot. Uh, I mean, there's a couple different things. You could propose half rent or at the bare minimum, my conversation was I have full intention of renewing this lease. Um, what I'm asking for is not free rent. Can you take that rent and roll it to the end of the terms of the lease? Like I, I want to make you whole for the terms that we agreed upon. I'm probably just going to need a little gap here because of things that are unfolding. Now, I do know some things about my landlord because we've been here eight years. I know that he owns the building outright. So I know he has some wiggle room. I know that some of the other tenants here are on government contracts. So they are unaffected with regard to their revenue stream. So again, knowing what's going on with the landlord, having a good relationship with them helps. But I definitely would not have gone to him and just say, waive my rent. Uh, cause I'm the largest tenant in the building like that. I, I know what that dollar figure is to him. Like it's not chump change, you know? So I think right. you should really look at it and figure out how you're going to ask for it. And he was just like, yeah, we'll figure it out, man. I've been here eight years. Like he, and I owe him a lot of money over the next 30 months. You know, if I go bankrupt, he loses way more than one to two months rent. Right. Well, and I would dare say that, you know, this is, this is an assumption, but I would go out on a limb and say, when you're talking about affiliates, especially in the United States, most of your landlords are not these huge corporate entities. Okay. So you can have a person to person discussion with your landlord because you're usually like to say you're renting a warehouse of some sort, some sort of box uh, or a small, what would normally be a small commercial venue. So you can have those conversations like you did with your landlord and say, look, let's find something that works for both of us. And I told, I had this very conversation yesterday with a landlord who owns quite a bit of real estate around our area, but, but each, each building is a separate entity with its own mm -hmm. books. Yep. And, and he was talking to an international company who came out of the gate and said, we want three months of free rent. Well, they're an international, he's, he's dealing with a guy out of London. Um, and I told him I used this word and I said, really, just like you said, a crappy ass. I said, that's, that's offensive really, mm -hmm. because you're an international company and I'm this little guy in Northwest Louisiana and you want three months free rent. It's not a great way to start the negotiation. So what I would suggest to boxes is do exactly what you did. Try to have a person to person conversation and you're then, good. Good. and then chop it up, uh, chop up the pie however you want mm -hmm. some free some waived rent some deferred rent some amateurized rent you know whatever works i mean one of the things i talked about with this client yesterday was okay give them a month free rent that second month 
amortize it over the next 12 months, starting in say July one. So you get some of that money back sooner rather than later. And then add a month at the end of the term. Something where we're kind of all getting what we need. Yeah. You know, I'm getting a break. You're getting your money. Um, I'm not asking for just a full on freebie. Mm -hmm. I really think that is important when you're talking to your landlord. So, so I, so I have the space that we're in and then I have another space that I sublet to another tenant in a, in a big um, shopping mall. Uh, and the landlord there is a, it's a large company. So it's like a billion dollar in, uh, real estate company. And their proposal to me was like, Hey, we'll take your deposit. I was like, you can't do that. And it's an escrow and no, you can't do that. Um, and, and then we'll defer three months rent. But then what you're going to do is you're going to, we're going to take that three months rent and then we're going to, uh, amortize it over six months to which, you know, at this point I'm bringing my lawyer in. I'm like, that's unsustainable. That's a 50% increase in my rent over a six month period. When the bottom is falling out of all of the market, I was like, I'm willing to make you guys whole, but I don't, but this time frame that you've proposed is unrealistic. Like what you're going to do is end up getting nothing because this is, this is going to explode. Like that's just not doable. So I proposed something that I thought was reasonable. And then they came back with something that I thought was completely unreasonable. I'm like, that is a lot of money, like just straight out of the gate. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but you know, my landlord here was just like, yeah, we'll figure it out, man. Like now I have a personal relationship with him. I can text him and say, Hey, can we talk? So right. that's the difference there, you know. Something that something that um, to go back to where we started on this, where you mm -hmm. were saying, you know, what are some things that they that affiliates need to do in these lease situations? And I tell clients this all the time: you can spend a little bit of money with me now, mm -hmm. or you can spend a lot of money with me when the thing blows up and you and you either get in litigation or almost get in litigation. I don't think anybody ought to sign a commercial lease without at least having a lawyer go through it. And what you can do, if you find a reasonable lawyer, not some lawyer, and I don't want to miscategorize things, but not some lawyer in, in a big firm that, 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 you know, that they only have big clients and they only want to send out big bills. And that, that's not a stereotype of all lawyers. But the point is, if you can find a lawyer and you call them and say, look, I just want you to read through this and I want you to tell me what the big issues are, the gotchas. I don't want you to redline and rewrite this thing. I did, I'm a small affiliate owner. You know, I want to, I want some eyes on this. I want you to tell me where I need to change my negotiation. I think you know, if you do, if you spend a little time looking for a lawyer, you will find somebody who will do that and won't rewrite the whole thing and send you a bill for $1,500. Yeah. And so get a lawyer on the front end and spend, you know, four, five, 600 bucks to look at your lease versus, you know, here's a perfect example, the COVID deal. Now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to enforce a force majeure clause and my tenant, my landlord saying, forget it. Well, you're going to spend a lot more than four or five, $600 just, just having a dispute in letters between lawyers, mm -hmm. much less if you get into a litigation scenario. Yeah, the um, it's it's an interesting scenario because one of the things that's unfolded now is like, so if I was to list me me personally, top ten 
mistakes, biggest mistakes made as an affiliate owner personally, not getting a lawyer from day one. And I don't mean have somebody on retainer, just having a lawyer that I have designated as my legal counsel in the event something happens or I need somebody to look over some documents would be top five, would right. be top five. And the reason for that is everybody's trying to bootstrap it when they start an affiliate. Knowing what I know now, obviously, that is not one of the things that you should bootstrap, kind of like an accountant. Like you do not want to bootstrap. Like you said, you're going to save far more over the long haul than you would have when you're trying to get somebody to clean up a mess that you created out of ignorance. Absolutely. You know, I'm not a big fan of all this legal Zoom and all these things you can buy, you know, on the internet, these forms and all of that, because, you know, the law is based on the facts and the law. And, and a form, a boilerplate form does not take into account your facts. And so um, I heard y'all mention on rent is due, you know, you might have a lawyer in your box. So if you're an affiliate owner, you need to keep your eyes open for the lawyer who comes through. But if you don't have one, you're gonna have some small business owners, successful small business owners in your box. And you need to go to them and say, I need to have a lawyer. I need somebody who's not going to gouge me, who um, I can have a, I can get on the phone when I, when I call um, and start asking around uh, and get your lawyer before you get into a problem. Mm -hmm. Because when you get into the problem, you're going to take the first lawyer who half the time who answers your phone call. And that may not be the best lawyer for you. For, for a variety of reasons. They may charge you too much. They may uh, not have really have the expertise in the area. You may never be able to get them on the phone again. Mm -hmm. um, so I would do it on the front end. Uh, so if you're in this situation, and let's just say, for, for example, your box, you have a good relationship with your, with your landlord. Things are not terrible right now under the current circumstances, but let's say you didn't have a lawyer. Mm -hmm. If you're that affiliate owner out there now, you need to go ahead and find one. Don't wait till a problem arises um, to try to start building a relationship with, with an attorney. One of the things that I found most beneficial about that is having the attorney prevents me from feeling pressured to do things, right? Which is in a lot of these scenarios, like people want money. I get out. I don't fault anybody for wanting money right now. I mean, that's just, that's everybody wants money. Um, but a lawyer can say pretty authoritatively, like, you don't have to respond to that. Or like I sent him uh, a couple documents and he said, everything's good here. He's like, you need to line through uh, uh, paragraph two and then you need to make a slight edit to paragraph five. And we just did that over the phone call. And he was like, I'm not even going to charge you for this, but that's what you need to do. And that gave me a lot of peace of mind and, and quite frankly, like put me in a different position with that landlord because they were just like, okay, all right. But had I not done that in there, that could have put me in a bind later if something were to unfold that I wasn't aware of or like couldn't predict. So little things like that matter um, that you just don't know out of ignorance because I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. I don't know anything about commercial leases or how this could affect me down the road. I don't know any of that stuff because it's not my job. I know how to teach the air squat. That's why you need a right, lawyer. Right. Right. And, you know, I get a lot of times, uh, again, we're a little bit smaller market, you know, 300,000 people in the area. I get a lot of times when I'm dealing with someone, well, I'm going to, my lawyer's going to call you. And my first response is great. Have them call me. Well, about 70% of the time, that's a bluff. They don't have a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, and it puts you, you're exactly right. It puts you in a completely different negotiating posture 
to know that you have a lawyer, that you're not going to go have to go spend five hours making multiple phone calls to find one and then have to put down some sort of retainer or some sort of fronting of fees. You know, you have that person who is there for you and with you. Um, so on the front end, or if you don't have one, if you're listening and you don't have a lawyer right now, and we don't know what's coming up with the rest of this COVID. We have no idea. I mean, I was reading, uh, uh, you know, I'm a fan of Morning Chalk Up. I, yep. I, I like those guys. And I was reading uh, one of their, it's a couple of days old, but, you know, the Chinese affiliate started open back up. And after a few days, shut them down. Back now, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen in our country. I know there's going to be an uptick when things open up. Um, but I think what I read in Chalk Up, <laughs> I think China, somebody, Beijing was open for three days and they shut it back down again. Um, it's a it's a clown show over there. I mean, crazy, I should, so, yeah. The but, uh, my point, but my point is, we don't know what's coming in the next mm -hmm. three six months. So this may not be the end of your legal issues with your landlord. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen next year during flu season. Yep. Um, so I think you need to go ahead and get yourself ready now to address these issues in the future, um, even if you're having a good relationship with your landlord right now. Something else to consider, and I'm not sure how much you've dealt with this. I, so I only got educated on this because one of my one of my clients here, who's been a member for a long time, owns a ton of real estate in the downtown Norfolk area. Owns like the largest privately owned um, uh, plot of land in downtown Norfolk. He owns a hotel, and uh, he was explaining to me like how, uh, like how some of the landlord lender relationships work. So a lot of people just assume that the landlord has a mortgage like I have a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, and a lot of those cases, that's not actually correct, right? So my mortgage is with Wells Fargo and they're just like, hey, we're just going to defer these to the end of the term of your mortgage, no interest included. Well, in a lot of instances, that's not how commercial real estate works. In a lot of instances, these, these loans are owned by large corporations and in some instances, like by Chinese, right? So I know that for a fact. And in, in those scenarios, you're talking about companies who have loans that are owned by larger entities who would actually want nothing more than them to default on that loan because they can take it immediately. So right. some of these, some of these uh, landlords are in a tight spot because they're like, hey, if we default on this, we lose all of it because that's how that contract is written. And the right. Chinese would, would the Chinese would basically just like nothing more than put this in bankruptcy and take it for pennies or whoever owns it. But that's a, that's a scenario that some people have to consider is like, who is that lender? It's typically not like, again, you can, you can educate me more here, but commercial mortgages are not always the same as like residential mortgages. Sure. And I think in the large, the larger your market is, um, so in our area, the large markets are New Orleans, Dallas, mm -hmm. Houston, uh, maybe Austin to some degree. The larger your markets are, the, the better chance of what you're describing to happen because um, you'll either have what are called securitized loans where the, the loans are, are only secured by real estate. Um, people aren't on guarantee, aren't on guarantees. A lot of times in those cases, the loan agreements are, are super, super specific. And they will say, you cannot make a rent change or a rent concession without the lender's approval. 
because the lender underwrote that deal based on here's the pro forma of what we're going to get uh, on this rent. Um, and then you have a real estate trust, REITs, who own certain things, and they and they're going to they're going to have a say so over how how the landlord responds. So the bigger your market, the more chance uh, for that occurring. Around here, where I am, for the most part, just one bank holds the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's the same in any negotiation or any battle or war. You need to know your opponent. Mm-hmm. You need to know what's going on on the other side. Uh, you need to know, okay, like you were saying, like you know that your your owner owns the building outright with no mortgage, so he can do whatever he wants to do or can afford to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to get your your hands on, on around that um, and know exactly you know who who and what you're dealing with. Uh, is there anything else that people should consider, right? So first and foremost, you should probably get a lawyer at this point, whether you think you need one or not, you probably will in the near future. Um, so I know I referenced, uh, I think it's the impossibility, impracticability kind of, and that's a, that's a defense, correct me if, if I'm not mistaken, that I could potentially use if I needed to. Sure. Now, and, and that's interesting. You brought that up on rent is due. And, and today mm-hmm. I was having that very conversation with another client yesterday. The tenant is trying to use a paragraph in the lease about eminent domain and condemnation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says if the, pro- if the uh, property is taken by a public or quasi-public entity for eminent domain or condemnation and you cannot use the property, then the lease can be terminated. In that scenario, I told the tenant, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. That's not what the COVID is not what that is for. Yeah. That's if, if that's for a governmental taking Perfect example like is the government physically seize the property. Right. Or a better, the most typical example is they're going to widen a public road and they yeah. end up taking three quarters of your parking lot. Yeah. Now you don't have parking and you can't meet code for parking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a different scenario. So, yeah, I mean, you, you would want to look for, um, you know, clauses of impossibility. Now I will say this six months ago, if you asked for a force majeure or impossibility clause, you probably would have gotten it from your landlord because they would have thought, eh, it's not going to happen. Now it's going to be, it's going to be a little bit tougher and it's going to be a, a pretty heavily negotiated matter because again, this is the first time, you know, this has happened in, you know, Ever. pretty much the his, history yeah. of the United States. That's for sure. Um, nothing like this has happened even similar since the great depression. So, you know, it's, it's going to be on people's radar. So on that note, so let's assume the landlord doesn't want to give you that for obvious reasons, but obviously you want to have it for safety's sake. Where would be the middle ground there? Because so typically what I've found when doing just a minimal amount of research here is that that force majeure that it's very, uh, it's vague in nature, right? And not only is it vague in nature as to what qualifies, but it's also vague or completely absent as to what are the, how is this executed in the event that this happens? Meaning like, okay, if this, whatever, like if the government puts uh, unreasonable restrictions or laws on like, then you either have to pay rent or have to pay uh, uh, 50% rent. And then 
you would pay it over what time is that what you, is that what people should be going with is something that kind of outlines okay if this happens here's the protocol absolutely i think even though that may be difficult to hash through and write up uh, and it'll take some time for you guys to first agree on it and then how are you going to write it where it's clear and it's enforceable but i think that's the way that you're going to have to go in the future that's the kind of thing i'm going to advise my clients on if tenants are are asking for them. It may not be a force majeure clause. Maybe it's narrowed down to a governmental order or governmental closure clause. In other words, if the government uh, issues an order saying that, you know, um, I have to close or, uh, or, or maybe I have a, su a supplier has to close, you know, mm -hmm. um, in that event, then we are going to, we're going to do the following. We're going to, you know, maybe waive one month of rent. Mm -hmm. My perfect example a minute ago, waive some rent, amortize some rent and extend the lease. Um, you may even have to write it up though. That says, you know, for every month that it's closed, we do this mm -hmm. because you don't know how many, how long you're going to be closed. Right. Um, so it's, it, it is going to be some guesswork, but it's, it's definitely relevant for the future because this is going to happen again. And if it's not COVID, it's something else. Yeah. And it's, and it's also what, if you know this going in, well, the other thing I can do is I can now plan for it, right? Be like, okay, what do I need to have in place financially in the event that this happens And this? Now this goes into my financial strategy that I work with my accountant on and be like, Hey, listen, in the event this happens, I need to be sitting on whatever, you know, two and a half times rent, uh, because I'm going to have to pay that over time. And now what I've done is I've set that off to the side. And even though it may be amortized, like it doesn't matter. Like I've already had that set to the side and now I just continue business as usual. Um, yeah, one of the other I mean, things that's coming up is, um, is, uh, what's typically considered utilities, common area maintenance, cam charges. Yep. So insurance and taxes uh, and utilities that are paid proportionately by the tenant, mm -hmm. those are not being deferred or waived by those entities for the landlord. So you can negotiate, okay, I can play with the rent, but my cam and utilities are going to have to be paid. And that we had that same conversation yes. yesterday with a client and the landlord said, look, I can, I can mess with this rent, but insurance is due, your share of the insurance is due, your share of the taxes are due, and your share of the utilities are due. And none of those entities are deferring or waiving any of that. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard of other people. And, and again, like you should come to the table offering something. I, I don't think going to the table just be like, I need free stuff is a good plan. Like you should go to the table with an offer that involves you giving something. I, I think you're far more likely to be successful that way than just being like, I need, I need you to waive this rent. Like that, that shouldn't be a thing. Anybody who had that thought, I just think it's dumb. Um, Cause I have, I have had a rental property and quite frankly, like I've had to eat uh, mortgage payments personally on rental properties because a tenant like either bailed or tenant went out. Like nobody wants to do that. It's not fun having been on both sides of that. And I have a tenant in that other space and I told the tenant, I'm like, keep your money. I know you got your triple P money. Just hold it, put it off to the side until we figure out what's going on. Right. Cause I, I'm subletting that space. So I think it's just communication. Um, and if you need to get a lawyer involved, you need to get a lawyer involved. Um, but you want to have 
a lawyer that you trust and understand, have a, a relationship with and who understands your scenario because now your billable hours can correct me if I'm wrong. Now my billable hours come way down because they're not spending all this time trying to figure out who the hell I am and what I do and what the specifics of my contract are. Wow. They already know. And he, and he can just say, outline this, take this out, change that and just send it back. And then you should be good. Exactly. And I think if you find somebody that you have a relationship with, you can tell them, I don't want you to bleed all over this thing. I just need you to give me the four or five most important points that I need to renegotiate. Um, and when you have a relationship um, with somebody, you know, that's why I came back to this market because I grew up here. A lot of my clients are my friends and people I grew up with. And so we can have that conversation and they can say, look, I don't want you to, to kill this thing. I just need you to look at it. Tell me what's what. And, and let's move on down the road. And yeah. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm fine with that. That's how I operate my business. And, and uh, you can find lawyers who will do that. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's no, it's not hard. So on that note, let's, let's, I think we've covered uh, quite a bit, unless there's anything else you think we need to cover there, but I, I want to switch gears and talk about C flag a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, um, so I, give a little background on what this is and kind of how this kind of got started. Cause I, my wife was, my wife was mentioning last night. She's like, I think I've heard of this. And I kind of thought I had heard of it too, but I was like, no, I think that was just CrossFit doing in some representation for affiliates who are in legal battles over Rabdo and stuff. I don't think C flag was actually a thing yet. Right. So yeah, you know, everybody knows that you have the RRG as insurance. Yep. Um, the RRG is a self-insured, essentially a self-insured uh, group for CrossFit. And yeah, that, that is your insurance. Uh, you can get insurance from a third party or you can get it through RRG. I think RRG is incredible. Uh, because it's it's run by CrossFit and they understand um, that CrossFit in many ways can be a target and they don't just run in like some insurance companies and settle cases. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I always plug the RRG. I think it's a great thing. Um, and it's the typical thing. You don't know how great it is until you need it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but this is not part of the RRG at all. So, um, the way this kind of came up is I've been spending a lot of time in the CrossFit health group because those two doctors, Tom Siskron and mm -hmm. Ken Sanders with CrossFit Medicus one are two of my very good friends. We're all in the same affiliate. We all train together. We're, I'm fortunate enough to have five guys. I'm 51. So between the age of 49 and 54, we all train together. Um, and, so I've been spending quite a bit of time in the CrossFit health space. I've been out to Santa Cruz a lot. Um, spent That's cool. A good, good amount of time with Karin and Greg. And as I started to look at it, and uh, it was funny because I would always be introduced to be all these doctors. And then this is Jeff, the lawyer, you know, and uh, all these doctors. Everybody's like, oh. So-and-so yeah, so is just, you know, he's a brain surgeon. He's a this. He's a, here's the lawyer. <laughs> the blood sucking, you know, shark yeah. over here. So, um, but I started kind of trying to think about, you know, where does where does the legal profession fit in the bigger structure of CrossFit? And as I said, you know, early on, I'm a big believer in CrossFit changing lives. Uh, I'm a big believer in the affiliate system, um, and so I was I was thinking about this, and then. Uh, uh, I got somebody referred, um, to me, uh, 
who needed a legal question. Mm-hmm. My friend Alyssa in, uh, she needed some legal help in okay. Seattle. So okay. here I am a lawyer in Louisiana and I'm talking to a box owner in Seattle. And I just wanted, I just wanted to help her. Um, and so I helped her through this situation and, and, I really thought to myself, this is, this is what we as lawyers should be doing for affiliates. And so I will say that the concept behind C-Flag was something that I pitched to Greg. That's awesome. Basically through my relationship um, with him, I said, look, here's something I think we really need. Um, I think of this as, you know, what's going to help, the CrossFit mission and the affiliate mission, um, and where are our weaknesses as an organization? Well, a weakness could be the affiliate who has no money to defend um, some sort of lawsuit that comes against them. Um, you know, a zoning issue that's going to shut down this affiliate. That's also going to set precedent uh, across the country for yeah. similar similar lawsuits. Uh, licensure on nutrition is a big issue. Cities, cities and states going after CrossFit uh, coaches and boxes for giving nutritional advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you get one good decision in a, in a major market and all of a sudden uh, everybody picks up on that and they start trying to do it other places. And so you could say that one of the weaknesses in the link could be the weak affiliate who just can't afford to fight that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said to Greg, I said, you know, we need to create a network of lawyers who love CrossFit and are CrossFitters, just like we've created this network of doctors, except what we'll do is a little bit different. Uh, my idea, and we're still, this is very much in the infancy stages. We've had some meetings on it, four or five meetings. We've, we've gotten a lot done, but this is still in its infancy of where it's going to go and where it's going to branch out. Mm-hmm. Um, but my initial idea was that we would create a resource, which would essentially be a website that would have lawyers in your state that are affiliate members and who are law- licensed lawyers in good standing who are willing to put up pro bono work to help affiliates in that state. So let's just take Louisiana, for example. If I could get five CrossFit affiliate member lawyers who would say, put their hands up and say, yes, I will do some pro bono work for affiliates. And I could put that out to the affiliates in my state that if you have a problem, uh, you need to call one of these guys first. Guys or guys or gals, ladies first. Okay. In a very grassroots manner, it is mm-hmm. going to be up to the lawyer on how much, what cases I take, mm-hmm. how much time I have to spend. There's no you know, there's no guarantee of my time. You're just going to have to talk to me and see if I can do it. Yeah. That's the concept of where it started. And that's kind of where we're moving um, to, to try to do this nationwide in the United States um, first. I think it's important for affiliate owners to know uh, not all law practices are these big law practices that you see in like New York, right? Like a lot of them are, would be considered small businesses. So I think, in my personal opinion, I think you should approach this the same way you approach your landlord. I don't think an affiliate should call with the expectation that you're going to get pro bono work. I think you should go to the table willing to pay people 
as best you can within with obviously within the resources that you have. Um, but do those people a favor because they're doing stuff that to help you and offer just like, just like you want people to pay you full price for your services at your affiliate, like offer the same professional courtesy to somebody who's going to probably get your ass out of a bind quite frankly. Like, I don't like, you're not generally dealing with a lawyer because things are going well. Like, I, I, you know, like, right. so, uh, no, but I think that's, uh, that's really cool. So is, is there currently anything where people can reach out to you or anybody else, or is this not available yet? So right now we are mainly focusing on getting lawyers signed up. Got it. So if you are a lawyer and you are, um, <clears throat> a member of an affiliate in good standing, we are interested in talking to you. Uh, my C-Flag email is jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at cflag.law, okay. c-f-l-a-g.law. You can email me. And what we are trying to do right now is amass that army of lawyers. We're trying to get the word out uh, and starting to, um, to get them connected to us and to each other. So if you're an affiliate owner, this is what I think you should do. I'll help you out with that here right now. If you're an affiliate owner, I think, because this is going to help you, I think you should send an email to your entire member base about this. Be like, hey, if, you're a, if you are practicing law right now or you know somebody who is a lawyer who happens to be a CrossFitter, here's a resource. Reach out to this guy if you're interested and then help them try to amass that. This is because we, we if it's faster if, if the affiliate owners do it, because again, that's a personal handoff um, for that scenario. So if you're an affiliate owner, go ahead and send that email out to your clients and then get in touch with Jeff. And then you can have those guys iron that stuff out. Sorry, my light went out. Um, you can have them iron that out and then go from there and start building this network of lawyers. And I would imagine it's going to be kind of like the directory that they just did for the MDs. Correct. Is that the idea? Correct. Very. I, the idea is similar. So we're working with the folks uh, in the IT department for CrossFit and for CrossFit health, trying to capture all of the information on the front end. Uh, if I bring them a lawyer, I'm going to have the lawyer contact information, areas of specialty, and yes, I mean, in my mind, now granted, we've got a, we've got a, a committee, a, what we're kind of calling the executive committee of some lawyers who have stepped up, um, uh, lawyers in-house, um, Marshall in-house, and some of the other lawyers um, who have done work for, for CrossFit. And we are, we are kind of the exec committee and we're, we're kind of directing this thing, but it is still very new. Um, and it is a grassroots movement in the sense that, um, you know, we, we are going to kind of see how it evolves, but the idea would be, yes, that you could pull up, uh, the main site and, um, you know, and we're not sure if it's going to be for everybody or the affiliate owners only would have to have a login mm -hmm. and they would be able to pull it up and go to Louisiana or go to Texas. And it would show you where these lawyers are. And then you just like you're doing on the, uh, for the doctors, you click and there's yep. the information. Yep. And, uh, and so the idea is we want, we want a number of lawyers in every state. Well, if you can imagine how many lawyers that is and how long that's going to take to, to amass, it's, it's not going to be a very quick process. So we're, we're working on that. So yeah, if you are an affiliate owner, we need the lawyer in your box. Um, and, but, but they have to be an affiliate member of an affiliate in good standing. 
Um, that's what we're looking for. And we've and as we see some legal problems of affiliates all along the way, if I have some some people in certain areas that I can refer them to, then yes, absolutely, we will mm -hmm. do that. But what you also have to realize is I have a full time legal practice. I have a family. I have two children. Um, you know, <laughs> don't I be texting Jeff at night asking him to review your lease. <laughs> yeah, I compete. I compete in CrossFit, so you know I'm trying to stay fit. Um, it's going to be at so, LSU football games when, when college yeah. football resumes. <laughs> I, I do like to have a life, you know. So um, right now I don't have a big uh, team of administrators with me, but just bear with us. If, if you get in touch with us, um, you will hear back from us. And, and, and so right now the focus is to, to build the Army. Um, okay. and, and along the way, if we can help out affiliates as we move across, we will. But we're not quite there yet in terms of, okay, affiliates – now you have this massive resource. We have to yeah. build the resource first. Well, it's just good to know that people are thinking about it. You know, I mean, I mean, it's on everybody's mind right now. Everybody who had, didn't have a lawyer prior to this is scrambling, thinking like, should I get a lawyer? Should I talk to somebody? Like, I, I don't know what this lease says. I have no idea how to read a lease. I don't know what any of these words mean. Um, so I think it's important, and I think I think it was, I think it's important to have you come on to just kind of clear up anything that we didn't cover and rent is due and then talk about some things uh, for consideration. Cause I, I think one of the important aspects of that is that um, you as a tenant do understand what is involved in being a landlord, what things they might be dealing with, what is a reasonable request and what is unreasonable uh, because that could be the difference between you getting what you need to survive and filing bankruptcy. So I think it's super important. Right. And I think, you know, um, I think as we move forward with C-Flag, that will be in a, a resource. I mean, I, I, I think people have to realize that, you know, with, with all the kind of topsy-turvy things that have been going on with CrossFit, you know, at its core, you know, Greg still knows that the affiliate is the core of, of what we do. And this concept that we can help the affiliates, uh, with whether it's all pro bono, partial pro bono, you know, that's, that's where we want to go. We want to put this out there for the affiliates. Um, and, and then in the future, you know, maybe not in 2020, maybe sometime in 2021, we might be to the point where, where when you need that, um, you know, we go to, in our affiliates, we, we, we go to our affiliate members for business all the time, right? Mm -hmm. If I've got a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer or, the guy who uh, sells cars or paints cars, you know, um, we want to support our own and that's what we're trying to do here. So uh, through C-Flag. And so um, hopefully there will be that resource soon for the affiliate owner. But in the meantime, um, you really got to get smart and uh, be penny wise and not pound foolish. And like I say, you can pay a lawyer a little bit on the front end or you can pay them a lot on the back end. And, um, and it's always better to pay them a little bit on the front end and, and have that assurance that, that you got into this commercial lease, uh, without exposing yourself, you know, down the road.
Yeah, and and the more complicated the lease gets, the more that becomes a necessity. You know, talking about like subleasing and all that stuff. Like, you have to have a lawyer review uh, review that stuff. Well, listen, brother, I uh, I really really appreciate your time. I think this was awesome. Uh, I really looking forward. And once and once you guys kind of get that up and running, we'll bring you back on and we'll talk about what that network looks like and 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 all that stuff. Because um, well, yeah, because you know these issues aren't going away. They'll just they'll change in flavor. So uh, people, people are going to need it. Um, anything else that people should know uh, about either potentially contacting you, C-Flag, uh, COVID issues, anything? I just think I just think you need to plan for uh, the future uh, uh, for your affiliate in all legal matters. So, so your leases, um, you know, anything else that that's coming up. I mean, if it's not like I say, in my personal opinion, from SARS to H1N1 now to COVID we've set this precedent of shutting things down and, yep. and going to what I might, what I would term as some extremes or an extreme. So, <laughs> so don't even get me started on Virginia, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I, wish, yeah, I heard about the militia thing. I love it. <laughs> so I'm uh -huh. the same way. So, but, but when the next one of these comes around, we've set the precedent and I'm, I'm hoping the freak out isn't as bad, but it could be as bad or worse. Yeah. So as you are operating your affiliate from a legal standpoint, from an accounting standpoint, you, I feel like you've got to, to look at this and see, can I survive another one of these? Yeah. Uh, and from a legal perspective, I think you need to have a lawyer that you can rely on now. Don't wait till times are bad to go find that lawyer. Speaking of that, I got one last question, and if we can't dive into it, we can't. So one of the scenarios that I've heard on multiple occasions about the, this scenario, COVID specifically, is landlords basically using this time to renegotiate what I, like, almost unfairly, like, they would say, hey, I'll defer this rent, but you're going to sign an additional three to five years. If that were to come up, what would be just what they what should they consider like uh, is it go talk to a lawyer or is that even legal or i don't know like i've just heard I that think, a lot and i'm like man that's kind of jacked up i think in most states it probably is legal i i don't think it's ethical not not to the extent you're talking about yeah i mean if if, if now what my clients are talking about doing is a month for month if i give you a freebie on a month or three months, I'm going to put two or one or three months on the end of the lease. Yeah, that's, I'm totally down with that. That's, that's reasonable. But no, but I know of at least two people that have been basically told I'm only doing this if you sign for an additional 36 to 60 months on the lease. Otherwise, you owe money. Yeah, I think that's inequitable. Now, I will say that certain states like California have a lot stronger rent controls than yeah. you know, Louisiana is a very free contracting state. So I've gotten mm -hmm. used to that. There's not a lot of government controls on contracting, especially leases and especially commercial leases. Um, but most states, I would imagine it, it's not illegal, but yeah. um, you would definitely want to push back on that. Um, if you could afford a lawyer at that point, I think you would want one because yeah. the lawyer would, would be able to impress upon the landlord how unfair that is. Mm -hmm. uh, and that I, th I do. I think that's simply unfair. Um, you know, now, now if I give you three months free rent, does that mean that if I want you to extend your lease by six months, is that unfair? Probably not. Maybe Probably not. not. But, but yeah, you're talking about multiple years on yeah. the end. I mean, that's, that's putting, you know, that's holding somebody over a barrel, um, in my opinion. And, and I would definitely push back on that. 
Okay. That's what I thought. I just wasn't sure. I wasn't even sure what the legalities were with that. But anyway, um, thank you again, sir. Go Tigers. Uh, and we will definitely have you back on again Absolutely. at a later date. Um, but thank you very yeah, much. This we, is awesome. If, if any of this starts to evolve, let, we, we can do it again and talk about the, the next evolution of, of how we're dealing with it. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> However, I do want to talk to somebody about constitutional law in the state of Virginia, unfortunately, because of the nonsense that's going on here. Um, but anyway, thanks again, brother. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Jason. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. And thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our posts on Instagram, when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out. Leave us a comment on there. Head over to our Instagram. Give us a follow. Like our pictures. Feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us, besthouroftheirday at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.